Come on, have a seat, guys. Wow. Woo. Man, I'm a mess up here. Anybody got a Kleenex? Anybody carry handkerchiefs anymore? If you've got one, I say something good today. I want you to stand and wave that thing like they used to do back in the day then. Come on, somebody. Hey, come on. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks, Alfredo. Amen. Alfred, I love that man. Amen. Hey, here's the big idea today. I want you to see this from the very beginning. And if you want to leave, you can leave here. What you put first will order the rest. Read that statement with me. What you put first will order the rest. For 10 years and 230 episodes, the TV sitcom Friends became a focal point for millions of people in this country. How many of you, with a round of applause, know the show Friends? And you watch it. Come on. Okay, stop. How many of you made sure that there was nothing else going on and you were planted there on Thursday nights to watch Friends? Round of applause. Yeah. There will be an altar call at the end of our message today for those of you that... The interesting thing about this show, Friends, and most of you probably have seen it, you have some sort of idea of what I'm talking about, but in 1994... The critics said that this show about six single friends living in New York City, it was not very entertaining, it wasn't clever or original. Pretty much, it's not gonna make it. They were wrong, weren't they? If you've been to New York City and you go to the local perk, you'll find a wave of people lined up around city blocks just waiting to get into the mock set of this little coffee shop that this show pretty much was based upon. In fact, the final episode of that show had 52 million viewers. <laughs> the, 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 the critic who, who said that it wouldn't make it, he, he probably lost his job the next day. But, but he failed to take into account this great vacuum for connection in our American culture. I believe that it's still something that so many people in our culture long for today. We long to be connected. People long to be connected with others in relationship, right? We all long for that. That, that, that need to be connected is evidenced in, in so many facets of our culture, even in this thing in which we are part of today, this thing called the church, the body of Christ. We, we offer so many opportunities for people to connect with others through relationship. We in 1910 Church offer so many various groups, groups that meet in homes, groups that meet on golf courses, groups that ride bikes together and get road rash and all that stuff. We we have biker groups. We have groups that study books of the Bible and the Holy Spirit. We've got a group that meets up on this campus on Monday nights and it's, it's taught in Spanish. Come on, somebody. Why? Because we believe that Spanish speaking people need to be introduced to Jesus and they long for community as well. Amen. So many groups and opportunities. Why? Because we just understand this need for a thing we call community. Now listen, while all of that is good, if we're not careful, say careful, if we are not careful, we can become what I would call too horizontally focused and not sufficiently vertically focused. Uh-oh, 
just hang in there with me. If we're not careful, we can become too horizontally focused. Relationship, relationship, community, community. It's great and we all have a need for that. But we can miss a vertical relationship that every one of us were created to have. In fact, I believe that the church in the Western world, in fact, the church in America in particular, is, is, is eat up with a disease, a disease that I would call meism. It's a disease where the church is all about me. I want my needs met. You need to bless me. You need to teach me. You need to help me. And while, while all of us in this room today carry some very legitimate needs, and while I believe that relationships and community and being connected in groups brings glory and delight to the Father, and he wants our desires met, we must keep something in mind today. The cross of Jesus has two beams. It has a horizontal beam, but the other one is a vertical beam. Are you with me today? Today, we're wrapping up this series, Praise God, entitled Make Room. <laughs> now, the fast isn't over. It's coming next weekend, amen, for many of us. Some of you have already blew it, you blew it 30 minutes into the fast. That's okay. That's, if it means something to you, it means something to God. We've been saying that, right? Um, today we wrap up this series called Make Room and the, the point of our teaching has been we need to create some space, make some room so that we can experience God in a deeper way. Anybody's life in here busy? Mmm, a groan filled the room. We talk about making room, creating some space, filling it with spending time in word and time in the prayer. Listen, if you don't do that, you're just dieting, correct, when it comes to fasting. But, we, but we've been encouraging you to create some space. We, we, we've talked about things like fasting and how it releases the anointing and the favor and the blessings of God on the life of the believer. We've, we've mentioned things such as, as, as this thing called fasting. What it is, it's a continual prayer before God. We, we've said things, and I know that many of you have given up certain food items or certain meals throughout the day. Some of you have committed certain amounts of time, whether that be 30 minutes or, you know, the next 21 days to fast. Listen, if it means something to you, it'll mean something to God, Right? And, and, and last week we hammered home this, this point that, 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 that when you're hungry for more, you will receive more. You know that, right? Here's the problem. I don't think many of us in America are hungry enough. I, I received a text message last week after I made that statement. Uh, there was a text message waiting for me in my office uh, between this worship experience and the 1130. Someone had been watching us online and we're so thankful for our online community here today. Thank you guys for watching, but we're saving a seat for you here live and in person next week. It's good online, but is it not better in person? Come on. Thank you. Okay. I made that statement last week and I got, a, I got a, a text message from someone that was watching online. She was traveling somewhere around the country. I don't even know where she was, but she said, you know, that, that made perfect sense because years ago, she's from Africa and I invited my mom to come and visit. 
And then during her visit, I said, mom, wouldn't you love to just move to America? And her mom said, no, I don't wanna move to America because Americans have it too easy. She said, you see, in our country, in Africa, we have truly experienced dependency upon the Lord. And I've seen God show up and meet the needs in my life in ways that I'm just afraid that you Americans have not experienced. Some of us aren't hungry enough. And for some of you here today, you've been praying and crying out for, for a long time now. God, I want more of you. I want more of you. You keep crying that out. You keep pounding. You keep praying that prayer. But you're going to have to be hungry. You need to become desperate in order to experience more of God. And make no mistake about it. If you're hungry, he will fill you. And when you want more, he will show up in your life and reveal more to you than you ever dreamed or imagined. Who's no, who knows what I'm talking about, right? I'm afraid we're just not hungry enough. We're not hungry for him. Fasting, fasting. And going back to where we started today with, with the idea of that, that horizontal horizontal beam and this vertical beam. I believe that it's fasting that turns our priorities more vertical and more in line with God's desires. Fasting turns your priorities more vertical and more in line with God's desires. You know that, right? You, you, You know you were created to go vertical, correct? Did you know that? What do you mean by that? No, you were created to go vertical. That this relationship, this vertical relationship that you have the potential to have with your creator, God, is the most important relationship you could ever experience. You remember how we talked about in the book of Genesis that that God took some dirt from the ground and he formed the the shape and the the, the body of, of a human being, a man. But that form was lifeless until what happened? God did what? breathed into the nostrils of that shape. Then man became fully alive. You see what that indicates to me is that you were created as a spiritual being. You were created with the breath of God. Without the breath of God, you're like the dust that was formed in the Garden of Eden, Genesis. You're lifeless. Hey, you want to get a life? Go vertical with God. Let him breathe into you. Let him bring you. You were created as a spiritual being. That's why some of you right now, life is just a mess. You're, you, you feel down and out. And you're in the doldrums. You're, 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 everything's just against you, right? And you're wondering, what will, what's it going to take for the tide to shift and change? I would encourage you just to consider this vertical beam. Are you connected with your creator? Where are you spiritually? I know you expect a preacher to say that, right? It's what we get paid to do. Challenge them spiritually. Hit them in the gut. Make them feel worthless, right? That's what we do. But it's so true, isn't it? You ever try to do things on your own versus letting God do it with you and through you? Complete difference. And my concern is that so many of us are going through life and we've, we're so concerned about this horizontal beam We're missing the connection that we were created for. You know that's good. Come on, somebody. In fact, I think that that was one of the things that drove Jesus in Matthew chapter 21 to take a drastic, to take drastic actions one day in the temple. 
It's what Jesus did when he, when he cleared the temple. You see, the people's priorities had become too horizontal. In fact, look what it says in Matthew chapter 21, beginning in verse 12. Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of what? Come on, my temple will be called a house of of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. You see, the people have become too horizontally focused. They'd forgotten the vertical beam. Come on. Hey, you know what had just happened in verse one of Matthew 21 before we read this story? Jesus has made his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And one of the first places he stops is what? The temple. You see, today is Palm Sunday, right? Many places and all of us in the Christian world are celebrating Palm Sunday. Jesus, that time in which he rode on a donkey through, through, through the Eastern Gate, the Golden Gate. In fact, I have a picture that I want to show you that I took when I was in Israel last month. This is the Eastern Gate. This is the gate where, where it is thought that Jesus rode through into Jerusalem this final week of his life on a donkey. You remember what was happening. The people were doing what? They were lining the streets and they were doing what? They were waving palm branches and they were shouting what? Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were all for Jesus on Sunday, weren't they? Touting his glory and his praises. He, they had seen him perform the miracles. They had heard his teachings and men, they were his number one fan on the band wagon. It was through this gate. But we know that those cheers would soon turn to jeers, Right? And those people that were shouting his praise would soon be shouting for his death and crucifixion. Those that were with him and, and, and say, I'm with you, would, would soon turn their backs and, and forget. You know why? They became horizontally focused. And it's interesting about this gate here. That's where Jesus entered that final week of his life. And you'll notice that that gate has been blocked off, hasn't it? You see that? There's no entrance into this eastern gate these days. The Muslims have sealed those doors. You know what else they've done? They have put a Muslim cemetery, all those white things in front of that is a cemetery. Because surely, surely, no deity would ever walk over a valley of dead bones. Well, they don't understand who our God is. And they don't understand what he has the potential to do. He doesn't have to walk. He can fly through if he wants to. And make no mistake about it, it is these gates that one day he will kick down and knock over when he comes dressed in white and makes his final return to the city of Jerusalem. Amen? Restoring order, restoring his kingdom, things that have been prostituted and destroyed. People have become horizontally focused. And we've forgotten the vertical beam. Come on, somebody. And that doesn't mean that when you fast that we don't have needs and hurts and desires. In fact, we've, we've been saying that I believe that if you're facing a difficult situation in life these days, a spiritual fast may be exactly what you need for you to receive an answer, much like Pastor Chach just shared with us about his breakthrough a few moments ago. For some of you right now, maybe there's something you've been seeking or pursuing, you just need to hear from God. And maybe it's time for you to join the fun and be a part of this thing, this spiritual fast. Seeking God, seeking him for a specific purpose. 
Listen, and I, I, I love that, that, that when we're fasting, when we're seeking God, what, what happens is we begin to diminish and our focus is more on him and our creator. And, 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 and our prayer really becomes, hey, we want more of you, God, just as we sang about the fullness and we want more, we want more, we want more of you. Listen, that's what happens whenever you are vertically connected. Your, your heart is less of you and it's more of him. You're putting him first in everything. Sounds great, doesn't it? But would you all agree with me? It's easy to let life get the best of us, isn't it? Isn't it really, really easy to come on a Sunday morning and hear another stellar message? Thank you for thinking that. But we soon forget, don't we? Because life takes over. Anybody in this room busy? Anybody watching online? Your life is busy today. Life can get out of order and, 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 and we can soon find ourselves, just as we've saying, release the fullness of your spirit. We can find ourselves on Monday or heaven forbid, maybe even Sunday afternoon, chasing after and engaging in things that when it's all said and done, they've really not added jack squat to the quality and character of who I am, right? Relationships, some of us are just living for that next like on our social media handles. It's work. Job, hi-ho, hi-ho. It's off to work we go. I know that we have to work, right? It's a part of life. You should get a job. You should work. And scripture says you should do it wholeheartedly. Listen, hey, by the way, we as believers in Jesus Christ ought to be employee of the month every month in our workplaces. We ought to work hard because why? We're not working for a man. We're working for the king. And it says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Amen. I don't want to hear about any lazy believers at the workplace. You ought to be number one at Taco Cabana if that's where you are. Hey, listen, you ought to be at Walmart, be the number one cashier. And by the way, would you open up another register so we can check out? Are there any executives here today listening? I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble with that. I love Walmarts. It's my favorite. Um, you know that's how your grandparents call it. But can't life take over? Hey, what about just in our families as well? Anybody press for time in your families? Man, we're trying to not only work, but then we gotta have, figure out a meal plan. We've gotta get Johnny from point A to point B. And, and, and oh, by the way, Friends is on tonight on Netflix. And you, you know what I'm saying? Athletics, as great as it is. Hey, listen, I'm a, I, I'm a product of that. I know, I know what you're saying. We can still tell that you're in shape. But even athletics, right, can dominate and take over and just, listen, these things are horizontal things and life can just swallow up what's most important, right? I, I believe that that, that that was the significance of what Paul was saying to us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 when he said this, now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit, how much of your spirit? Your whole spirit, may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus comes again. Some translations, when you read that passage, use this word sanctification. It's a big church word that a lot of times we preachers like to throw out to wow and impress you when we really don't know what it means. Actually, we do know what it means. It means this. 
It's this process of, uh, of becoming holy in your daily life. It is practicing purity. It's, it's, it's being someone who is set apart from the world and from sin. I believe that this thing called sanctification is, is, is the key to being in God's will. In fact, if you go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul said it this way, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That's what he called for. Listen, Christian, we're to be holy. We're to be set apart. We're to be different than the world. Okay, two people. Listen, Christian, we're to be set apart. We're called to be holy. We're to be different than the world. You know what happens though? We all know that, right? You've heard us say that. You know what happens? We become horizontally focused and we lose sight of that vertical beam. We lose sight. We don't go vertical. We go horizontal and we let life take over and we forget who we're called to be. Listen, notice in that verse there in, in, in 1 Thessalonians 5, God's priority is concern for your spirit first, your soul second, and your body third. We get that backwards though. Yeah. Totally focusing on our bodies first and, 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 and our spirits, well, they come last, don't they? We, we worry about such things like, hey, what am I gonna wear? <laughs> what, what, what am I gonna eat? Where do I need Botox? I mean, we think about those types of things. Like I'm just testing you to see if you're with me today. But Jesus told us not to worry about such things. Look what he says in Matthew chapter six. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food? And isn't it more than the clothing you wear? You see, according to God's principle of first things, what you put first will order the rest. And when you put your spirit first, you, you serve the things of the Holy Spirit rather than the desires of the flesh. And as a result, here's what happens. Your mind, your will, your emotions, as well as your physical body and health, they all begin to fall in line according to the Spirit's leading. That's why in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, we read these words, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body and you live. See, again, that's where I'm going back to. That's why some of you in this room today are dead because you're not walking and living according to the spirit. And we're more concerned about the things that we focus on down here. I like to use the, the phrase a lot of times, we are cellar dwellers. We think down here, scripture says to set your mind on things above. But for so many of us today, we're dead and we're eat up with boredom and we're lifeless because we're just focused horizontally. We tend to get things out of order, don't we? Yeah. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. You guys are okay with scripture, by the way, right? Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, to seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. See, that's why we carved out a four-week period to talk about this thing called fasting. Because fasting helps you distinguish between what you want and what you really need. And when you choose not to worry about the things of life 
And when you choose to seek him first, you're demonstrating the kind of faith that is pleasing to God. You're you're, you're trusting him to give you all the things that you need. Hey, church, listen, it's time to press into God, to seek him, forsake the things of the flesh. It's time for us to go vertical. It's time for us to get back to the relationship of the one that we were created for. Hmm. Hey, what would your answer to this question be? If the Lord were to ask you this question, how would you respond? Do you remember the last time you were lovesick for me? The Lord asked you that question. Do you remember the last time that you were lovesick for me. I'm just wondering today if maybe you're experiencing a season in which it feels like God is far away. Anybody? He seems distant. You, you, you have found yourself maybe wondering, is he really there? Does he really give a rip? Is he, does he still care about the events that are unfolding in our world today? Yes, he does. And the things that God sees going on around us hurt his heart tremendously. Well, why doesn't he just step in and do something? He is and he will. God is doing some things. And as difficult maybe as your situation seems in your life right now, I'm telling you, he stands ready to to intervene in your life in a way like never before if you'll just make room for him. Maybe you're here today and you just don't sense his presence as you once did. You, you, you went to camp and you got fired up or, or, or you were at the revival meeting or, hey, you were at whatever crusade or you went to the conference or whatever or you, and you were jacked up, you were high, you were, you were vertical, man. But, but life just takes over and the vertical becomes horizontal again. You just don't feel his presence. You, you have no heart for worship. You... You, you, you lack that excitement, that childlike enthusiasm that you once had for, for the spiritual things of God and just maybe a dry season like Pastor Chach referred to earlier today. Perhaps for you, maybe it's time to just maybe to slow down. Maybe it's time for you to make room. Maybe it's time for you to stop the busyness of your everyday life and declare a fast. A season of, of love sickness to, to restore that passion of, of your, yes, your first love. You were created for him. You were created by him and you were created for him. And if life just seems blah and I can't make it through, and it might be a spiritual thing that you're dealing with. Return to him. Get back to the one who wants to... Breathe life once again into your weary soul. And that's what this thing fasting does. It slows us down. It causes us to go vertical. The things that we thought we used to, we, we, we needed in our lives in order to survive, they really don't matter anymore, right? Because I'm vertical. And the one who gives me life, the one who knows my heart's desires, I've made room for him. Remind you what 
our key passage has been the last few weeks. It's Matthew chapter five, verse six. Jesus says, you're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. You know, my prayer is for you this week is that you would eat and that you would drink the one ah, who created you. May you indulge this week on the bread of life. May, may, may you drink from the well this week that satisfies your thirst forever. Come and see the one who knows every longing of my soul. Come and see what he can do. Come and see. Oh, he's there. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for him. Not this, but for him. Let's eat. Let's drink. Let's take him in. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. Our ministry team's going to come. And guys, I, I, I cannot tell you how excited I am for these next seven days. And I want you to know that, that I believe the key to what we're going to experience will come from the time that we as his people spend seeking him and praying and calling out to him. The harvest that needs to be brought in will come as we go and engage the harvest and as we, as we continue to pound the doors of heaven through prayer. I hope that you'll do whatever it takes this week to invite someone. I hope that you'll carve out time this week to spend enormous amounts of time in focused prayer, asking God to show up in every house of worship. From Manitou Springs, Sarah, it's good to have you with us today. Sarah Martin, come on, round of applause. Let's show some honor. A little disappointed you didn't bring your cello. That's okay. But let's pray for a harvest to be brought in. And by the way, can I just make a plug real quick? You need to go see the movie, Paul. It just came out Friday. Story about the apostle Paul. And, and, and I'm telling you, um, you, you need to take some Kleenexes with you. Even you, you old burly, handsome dude listening, because it will mess you up. We've not been persecuted like our early brothers and sisters were persecuted. If you care about kingdom advancement, if you care about people's salvation and their eternal destination, if, if you are serious about being a person of faith and be willing to endure until the, the trumpet sounds, you, you, you need to go see the movie. I'm telling you, you need to go see it. 
Father, we are thankful for you and thankful for the life you give us. We're, we're excited, God, that we have an opportunity to leave this room today and we have an opportunity to go out into our community and be an image bearer for you. We have an opportunity to go out and be salt and light. That's what you've called us to be. You've called us to be salt, to, to flavor and bring things to life in a dull, bland world. You've called us to be a light, a city set on a hill that can never be extinguished, but showing people the light of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you would use us this week. Let us not become weary. Let us not be lazy, God, in our going to engage a harvest that is ready to be brought in. And Lord, we are excited about everything that's gonna take place this week. From our engagement with people, Lord, from the times of prayer and worship here on this campus, Lord, to Monday Thursday service, that special, solemn, reflective service at seven this Thursday night in here. It's gonna be awesome, we know. And God, we are gonna gather Saturday and Sunday and we are gonna blow it out because our God lives. Jesus is alive. And he's still calling the dead back to life. He is still breaking the chains that have enslaved people for far too long. Oh, the joke's on Satan. He thought he had won. But we know how the story goes. And we're going to celebrate. Lord, I pray today for the person here that needs to experience your mercy. That they would come today and they would fall on their knees and say, Jesus, come into my life. For the person here today who life is just, seems is getting the best of them right now, Lord, I pray that they would understand that we stand up front today ready to come alongside of them and encourage them with a word from you. We all need relationship. We all need community. But what we all need most of all is you. Thank you, Jesus for being with us. It's in your awesome name we pray. Everybody say with me, amen. Thank you guys and we'll see you around this week.